0: The story goes like this and then Jesus passed through Luke nineteen verse one. If you don't know a Luke, Luke is straight after Mark, which is straight after Matthew. It's in the New Testament. I don't know if we have a page number for the Bibles, the Pew Bibles. No? Just for those who wouldn't don't know what Luke is and don't know where nineteen is. If someone can help, put your hand up, you don't know. There we go, 1,015 is the number. It's always awesome to have, and if you're doing Bible studies with people, it's always awesome to have them page numbers. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector. One thing you've got to know about tax collectors is Jews didn't like them. The Romans didn't like them. No one really liked them. Because they'd collect taxes and they'd add their own profits on top of the, the, the recommended or enforced taxes of the Romans. So as soon as you'd come through a gate into a city or whatever it may be, the tax collectors were standing there and they'd collect money from the Jews. The Jews would come up and see them as traders. You're a trader. You've come in. Now you're charging me money. You can't give me a deal. No, they'd add more money onto what the Romans asked for, for their own profit. Zacchaeus was one of these people, not only one of these people, he ran a team. He ran a team of tax collectors. He was chief. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because the crowd... For he was short in stature. He's a short man and he wanted to see Jesus. And we'll find out shortly why he wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed up into a tree. He ran ahead of them, climbed into a sycamore tree. And he, um, for he was going to pass that way. So he saw the trajectory, Jesus, where he was going. And he said, right, he's going to go down that path. There's an awesome tree, easy to climb. I'll run down there and I'll scatter up the tree so that I can see Jesus. Great idea. It's awesome. And Jesus went and came to the place. He looked up and saw him. See, it's interesting how Jesus does that. Jesus went into that town, Jericho. It seems like that he went there specifically for Zacchaeus. He's walking down the road and he goes, I'm here today to see Zacchaeus. He's hiding up in the tree, I'm going to go straight under the tree, look up and we're going to call out. Nothing's by accident. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Can you imagine how this would look to the Jews that are following Jesus, to the people who are following Jesus? Here's a guy who is a traitor. Here's a guy who who has just dogged everyone in the Jewish religion and family. Absolutely just gone out and gone, I don't want anything to do with you again. What I'm going to do is I'm going to trade against you, I'm going to charge you taxes and I'm going to rip you off. And everyone's looking at Jesus now. And questioning whether he is the right person to follow. Because now here's a guy that's accepting this tax collector. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're going to go to Zacchaeus' house now? What are you talking about? This makes no sense. We're following you because you're the king of the Jews. We know all the prophecies, we know that you're going to come and you're going to set up your kingdom but this is a really bad decision, Jesus. We're starting to question your integrity here. Zacchaeus, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw this, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. I have taken everything from everyone false by false accusation, and I'll restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus is saying this. Or well, Zacchaeus first said to him, What I'm going to do is I'm going to repay every, I'm going to give my riches to the poor, but then I'm going to repay everyone I've ripped off. I'm going to pay them four times as much as I took from them. Then Jesus says, right, so you value money more than, you you value, sorry, you value, value me more than money, so what I'm going to do is give you salvation. And it's by my grace that I'm giving you salvation. Salvation means... That, Jesus, that you now accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You understand that He now died for you on the cross. You don't know why, you don't know what, what that even means because, I mean, who can comprehend the Gospel, right? Who can comprehend the death of Jesus and why He would do it if you believe that He's God? Historians don't really put him as a person. They see him as a person that did amazing things. Biblical writers all write the same thing. Yeah, there's some contradictions there. There's some changes of different things, but the stories are the same. Here's a guy that changed the dates. We're in 2023 AD, after the death of Jesus. Before that, it was BC, before Christ. Something special about this guy that came and did these amazing things. The hardest thing for us, though, is that we, unlike Zacchaeus, didn't get to see Jesus, didn't get to see the miracles, didn't get to, to hear him speak. We just read about it. But the biggest evidence, the most convincing evidence that Jesus Christ lives is that when you accept him as your Lord and Savior and you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, I want you to come into my heart, you get this peace that passes all understanding. You get fulfillment. And you get joy. It's the strangest thing. It's the strangest thing, but it's the most compelling evidence that there is a God, that Jesus lived. And that he gave his life for us. And faith. Faith is this. God will do what he says he's going to do. I believe that God will do what he says he's going to do. And Jesus says this. We're all waiting because I think it's later on in the Bible. I think it's around Hebrew, Abraham Um makes a promise and, and he makes a promise and, and, and God made a promise with him and, and it's called a covenant and this covenant was a promise that he would fulfill and make Abraham a great nation and then another covenant was made with Moses that he would deliver him from Egypt then another covenant was made and that last covenant that was made was Jesus and he said what I will do is I'm going now to heaven but I will come back and when I come back I'll take you Back to heaven with me. Faith is that Jesus will do what he says he's going to do. By his grace. Do you know what he says there? You know what God says? The most interesting thing he says, and I swear it by myself. I swear it by myself. I mean, none of us can do that. I was down in Jindabyne, and I don't know if you know Jindabyne, Adventist Alpine Village. Have you heard of this game, Frisbee Golf? Frisbee Golf is a new game, It's and there's a certain technique. You can't just throw it like this. You've got to pull the arm back, and, and it's got to be a straight, and then the then the release. And they do it. amazing. These guys throw, you know, 100, 110 meters with this Frisbee. And they got putters, they got drivers, they got everything like this. And I got into this game and I was down, I was actually working in South Canberra and I was going up to Jindabyne and I'd, when I go up to Jindabyne, I had about, I think it was about 20-some 20, 20 people into Bible studies. They wanted to know about Jesus. But what I do in my spare time, I play Frisbee golf. I want to become great at it. I don't know why, I just did and I went out practicing one day. I was a seventh hole, and it came around. I don't know if you know the golfer who's played the golf at Ginderbine. No one. Well, there's this one hole, and you come down through the woods, and there's the you know the big oval, and it's the one that goes back in and around a little bit of a corner. It's like the seventh hole. And I don't know if you know frisbee golf, but there's a basket and there's there's chains on it and the frisbee hits the chains and it drops into the basket, yeah? So that, if you get it in. So the key is, right, it's like golf. You get a hole in one. That's the best thing. It's called an ace. So I'm standing there, I've got this frisbee, and I throw the frisbee, and it's looking good. It's coming around the corner, and it's called a high, so when it comes around the corner, it's coming around the corner, and it's heading towards the basket. I'm like, what? This This is really close. This is really close, and the thing goes into the basket. hits it. I hear this rattle of the chain, and I hear this, the, the, the the frisbee dropping to the bottom of the basket. I'm like, "Wow!" Ah! I'm jumping up and down. This is amazing. I look around behind me. No one's there. I look beside me. No one's there. I look. No one's there to witness me just getting a hole in one. So I go back to Stan's house. I'm standing. I'm knocking on Stan's door. I'm Stan. Stan's the manager of the AAV. He opens the door. I said, Stan, I just got a hole in one. He goes, yeah, sure you did. I said, I did. I got a hole in one. He goes, yeah. He actually made a video of, he was teasing me. He made a video of him getting a hole in one. All you see is him throwing this disc. He didn't get a hole in one. He's run down and he goes, "Ah, I got a hole in one. But he was teasing me. You know what I said to him? I said, as God is my witness. What did I just say? As God is my witness, I got a hole in one. Stan took a step back, he goes, you know you're a pastor. You can't say that. I said, as God is my witness, I got a hole in one. He goes, okay, I believe you. I believe you. God says to Abraham... I swear by myself that it's true. Because who higher, who higher can he swear by? I have to say, you know, you've heard over in England when I was teaching over there, they'd say, on my mum, they'd say, on my mum's life. Not a good thing to say. On my mum there, I I did that, sir. I did my homework, it's at home, I left it at home. On my mum's life, I did, don't say that but they want to swear on a higher power they want to swear on on something that that if it came true it'd be catastrophic and we say as god's my witness swear on a higher power because people don't believe us so in order for us for them to believe that we're telling the truth we swear on a higher power god swears on himself that's crazy eh I swear on myself. He said every covenant, every promise that he made, I swear on myself I'm coming back. And you look through the Bible and you look at all these promises that God made and you look how every single one's come true. The only one that hasn't come true is him coming back. And we are gathered here today in this church because we all believe. And if we don't, we're going to, we we'll all believe that Jesus Christ is coming back to take us home. This is not where the sermon's meant to go, but I'm going to take it somewhere else. I kind of look at evidences in Jesus, and I've struggled a long time with why do I believe in God? I don't know if you've done the same. Maybe some of you are sitting here because, well, it's just where we go every Saturday morning. Why do we go on Saturday? Get had a hard time as a kid for, not, for going on Saturday night on a Sunday. Someone actually came up to me the other day and said, Saturday? That was done away with at the cross. I, I got so furious and I, I was back and I was going, how could it be done away with the cross? They said, calm down, calm down. I said, well, now answer the question, how could it be done away with the cross? They said, well, it's the law of Moses and the law of Moses is done away with the cross. You, know, what, what, you still believe in all that Levitical? I said, the Sabbath is above the law. He goes, it is not. I said, listen to me. And creation. We were all created on the sixth day, yeah? What happened next? What was the first gift to humanity? The Sabbath. That's what he gave humanity. He said, now you'll rest with me. I said, did we sin after that? He goes, I guess so. I said, yeah, we did sin after that. We didn't sin between the sixth and seventh day. If we sinned after that, then eternity would be a place where you come together every single week on the Sabbath. Because that's the way God set it up. The Sabbath's above the law. The Sabbath, something's eternal. That's why the commandments say, remember. Remember this thing that's above the law. Yeah, I'm going to mention it in the law, but it's above the law. That's why you've got to remember it. So if we were in eternity, if we never sinned as humanity, we'd still be keeping the Sabbath. And we believe as a church that when we are in heaven, we will come together Sabbath, from Sabbath to Sabbath. Why? Sa- I can't tell you why. That's what God says. He says, 24 hours, you will worship me. 24 hours, you'll spend time with your family. 20- 24 hours, you'll rest. Last thing that that the amazing grace of Jesus has taught me is this. Um, When my mother passed away, the most rocking thing in my life, it it just rocked me. Hit me for six. My rock. Person I'd ring every week and get advice from. When she passed away, I, I, I battled with God. And I said, I'm struggling with this. I'm questioning that you're even there. I'm questioning that anything like this, this isn't, this, isn't, this isn't the plan. God told me this, why are you so upset? Remember, why are you so upset? Well, I'm upset because I'm missing her. But why are you upset? Every single one of us see death as unfair. Our greatest fear is not snakes. Our greatest fear is that the snake will kill us. Our greatest fear is not spiders. Our greatest fear is a spider will kill us. Our greatest fear is not heights. It's that we'll fall from the height and die. Our greatest fear isn't those things. Our greatest fear is death of a loved one or death of ourselves. That's our greatest fear. Our greatest desire is eternal life. As humanity, you can get the biggest atheist in the world, they'll come to you and say, I don't believe in God. I said, well, your greatest desire is eternal life. Because if I had a bottle of water up here, you know, the plastic bottle of water. If I had a bottle of water and said to you, this will give you 50 years more in your youthful state. Not old state, youthful state. 50 years more. Would I be a multi-billionaire? 100% I'd be a multi-billionaire. Because every single human on the earth's greatest desire is eternal life. That's why we're upset at funerals. That's why we, we, we don't see the purpose in it. That's why we're, because it's unfair. This was never the plan. You were made by a creator that put this thing in you that said, you are meant for eternal life. And if you have a desire for eternal life, everyone's looking for it. Everyone's looking for it. Everyone's trying to get young. We've got Botox in the cheeks. Botox, everyone's trying to look young. Everyone's trying to be youthful. If you had the answer to eternal life, that would solve humanity's problem. That was the biggest evidence for me that there's a God. Because the last promise he made, he just said, I'll come back and give you eternal life. C.S. Lewis says this, if there's a desire there must be a fulfilment to that desire. Ducks have a desire to swim. There's such a thing as water. I could go on about desires. And you could understand that if there wasn't fulfilment to some desires, this is a PG sermon, so I'm not going to go into it, but if there wasn't a fulfilment to certain desires, it'd be a painful existence. But there is fulfillment to desires. Because God's created us with a desire, our desire is to live forever. Yet no one's willing to fulfill that desire. There must be a fulfillment to the desire. Jesus promises it. Jesus says there's such a thing as eternal life and I'm going to give it to you. Can we comprehend it? No. But do we desire it? Yes. His grace is incredible because He came and He saw us and we nailed Him to a cross and we believed that He was God incarnate and we believe that He came And he died and he was resurrected. There's eyewitnesses. And he went to heaven. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you unto myself. And you will live forever with me. Imagine heaven. Imagine a place where there's no sin. There's no pain. There's no death. There's nothing, none of that we struggle to imagine that because this is our reality faith believing that God what God says he's going to do he's going to do so what do we do as a church what are we doing with that news Are we screaming it from the, from the top of the hills? Are we looking for seekers, people who are seeking God? Let's do that this week. Let's do that this week. Let's share the good news of Jesus Christ. You might speak the gospel, you don't preach the gospel by what you do. Treat people nicely. Treat people kindly. People not, might not be ready. That Okay, I've been working with you for a while now. Open your Bible. We're going to read about the gospel. They might not be able to take that. That's not an approach that's probably good. But let them know that something's different about your life. Let them know. Let them see the peace. Let them see the joy. Let them see the, the actual comfort you have in living because that's what God gives you. And if you don't have that, it sounds like you need a re-in- reintroduction to Jesus. I was going to go through Exodus 12 and tell you about Passover. Passover and talk about how that, that Passover blood was from the lamb was dipped in the hyssop and put on the door post, and it saved the Israelites firstborn. I was going to tell you about the sanctuary and how every single piece of furniture in the sanctuary represents Jesus Christ. There was one door that went into the sanctuary. There's only one way to eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ. You come to the altar. Jesus was slain for our sins. You come to the washbape. We are baptized and made new as a representation of him dying and, and raising again. We are baptized under the water. And in that declaration, we say we want to be Jesus Christ forever. Not to just humanity, but to the angelic hosts in front of them we say we belong to Jesus and we come into the the showbread Jesus is the bread of life you come into the Jesus is the light of the world the candlesticks you got the incense that's the prayers going up Jesus gets them prayers and delivers them for us it's through him that our prayers are heard We're coming to the most holy place and it's Jesus' blood that was spilt on the mercy seat for our sin. Zacchaeus had no right to come to Jesus. Zacchaeus had no right to be part of the number. His life was a life of greed. He had chosen his God and that God was money. Yet, Jesus came to him and said, I've got another plan for you. Zacchaeus says, I accept it. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I don't know what that means now. I don't know what it means, but I know I want peace. I know I've been struggling. I've been struggling with this discomfort of of people hating me. I've been struggling with this discomfort of people not treating me right. Now they do, because I know you. Zacchaeus was a great example of the grace of Jesus Christ. And every single person here Jesus comes and he offers us the same grace and says, you may not be living right. You may not be the best version of yourself, but I want to offer you the grace. And by faith, take that gift and I'll give you eternal life. It's that simple. Simple. Yes, as Adventists, we've got a lot of fundamental beliefs. And yeah, they are a very good description of what the Bible says. And there's a lot of rules. I remember when I was a kid, we used to have a rule that we couldn't swim on Sabbath. I'm not sure why that rule was. I was born, I was up in Queensland, it was 40 degree heat, didn't understand it at the time. I thought some Olympic swimmer came to church and said, right, I've had a conviction that um, I can't swim on the Sabbath, so none of you can. So then we go to a baptism and we see people going in the water and getting immersed in the water. And my mom, mom, I want to swim. He's swimming. Uh, well, he's getting baptized, Phil. Or Philip, sorry. He didn't call me Phil. He's getting baptized, Philip. Said, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized every week. 40 degrees heat. It wasn't appreciated. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of rules that don't make sense. i tell you why we've got a lot of rules. Keep this in mind. It's because every single person's on a journey with Jesus Christ. And the loud ones, the loud people, make their conviction known to everyone. Just follow Jesus. And he'll convict you on the things that are important for you and he'll take you on a journey and you may not be perfect day one guarantee you won't be perfect day one or day 50 but Jesus will take you on a journey to get your life right towards peace, towards joy and this is what Zacchaeus did and he made the first steps he sold everything he had and he paid back everything he owed. Sermon's pretty simple. Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago. And the impact of Jesus and what he's had on the world means millions of people, billions of people, a third of the world believe in him and want what he offers. I'm just recommending that gospel to you because that grace is big enough. Where sin is, grace abounds much more. Doesn't matter what you've done this week. What matters is that you, your eyes are fixed on Jesus. That's all that matters.